Hey, welcome to our online sermons at Coastal Community Church. So glad that uh, you're checking these sermons out on our internet and, and on our website. And so I want to welcome you. And, and I do want to encourage you that these sermons, online sermons, should be a supplement to your spiritual growth. But one of the things that we're big believers in at Coastal Community Church and I uh, want to encourage you is to find a home church uh, where you can not only grow in teaching, but also grow in community with other believers. So if you don't have a home church near you and you live in the Hampton Roads area, we'd love to invite you to Coastal Community Church. We just recently moved uh, to 101 Village Avenue. We have two services, uh, 915 and 11, and we'd love for you to check out one of our services here in the community. Over the summer, uh, a lot of changes going on at Coastal Community Church. We're changing locations, and and part of what we wanted to focus on in the summer as we move into our new location is to remind us of the one thing that doesn't change and won't change at Coastal, and that's that we wanted to lift up the person and the work of God's Son, Jesus Christ. So Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, the letter of Hebrews is the perfect letter to remind us that Jesus is greater than anything we could imagine. And so I hope you'll join us and enjoy this sermon called Greater Than. Well, good morning, Coastal Church. Good morning. It's a good morning. That eye and that thing always freaks me out, like that, that little, little sermon bump, man. But we're continuing to study the, the book of Hebrews, Greater Than, that Christ is greater than everything. Christ is above all. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 1, it talks about the main point of Hebrews, the main point of this book, the main point of the scripture is that Jesus is the main point. And this morning, we're going to be looking at Hebrews chapter 13, and we're going to kind of review a little bit from Pastor Sean's message last week, kind of take those two verses from the end of chapter 12 and then go right into chapter 13. As we look at that, he, that Christ is greater or God is greater than ourselves. You know, I, I, I love Rocky. I love the Rocky series. And if you saw Creed, then like the best part in that movie is when he's standing with Apollo Creed's son and he's like, the greatest enemy you could be facing is yourself in the mirror. And then you're just like, yes! That's it. That's your greatest opponent. And you're just looking at that and you're just going, yes, that's it. And and here's the deal. Sometimes the greatest enemy in our lives, we can blame Satan. We can blame other people. We can blame our circumstances. We can blame what's happening in our political climate and our country. You can blame all of the different things. But the reality is until we look in the mirror, church, we're not going to see a lot of change. And that's what the writer of Hebrews kind of transitions to. So if you have your Bibles, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28 through Hebrews 13, 3. Now I want to say this. If you weren't here last week, get, grab the podcast of last week or whatever, like listen to it online. It was one of the best messages on Hebrews 12 I've ever heard. And you need to listen to it. It was fantastic. And so I'm not going to do it justice. I'm just going to kind of springboard off of it. But Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28, we're going to read this. So let me read this to you. Starting in verse 28, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be destroyed, let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him with holy fear and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. That's where Pastor Sean left left us last week. 
Well, now, continuing on in verse 1, continue to love each other with true Christian love. Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers, for some who have done this have entertained angels without realizing it. Don't forget about those in prison. Suffer with them as though you were there yourself. Share the sorrow of those being mistreated as though you feel their pain in your own bodies. Let's pray. Precious Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you that it's truth. We thank you, Lord God, that that we can know you and have a relationship with you through your son, Jesus Christ. I pray, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, that in the next few moments, you would take your word and you would illuminate it to our lives through the power of your Holy Spirit. We ask, Lord God, that you would change us, transform us, and make us more like your son, Jesus Christ. Help us to reflect your son, Jesus Christ, as we go from here. And as always, Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. It's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Greater than ourselves. Now, as I was preparing for this message, like, we've been taking huge chunks of Hebrews, and we've been teaching almost chapters at a time. Now we're going to stop, we're going to slow down, and we are going to take the practical Christian application And we're going to piece by piece look at it and compare it back to some other passages here in Hebrews. Now, the writer of Hebrews is writing this to a group of Jews who are thinking about going back to the Jewish law. And basically, the writer of Hebrews is saying, listen, Christ is better than the old. Christ is better than what it used to be. And he gets to the point where what Christ has done, who Christ is, gotten us to the point, the tale of two mountains last week with Mount Sinai, Mount Zion, Christ is better, that he was exalted, and that we now have access to God through Christ. And now we look and see in verse 28 that God has set up his kingdom. And because of Christ, he set up his kingdom. We are his children and called to live as Jesus Christ is king now. Have you thought about that? Jesus is king right now. He's not king tomorrow or king when he returns. He's king now. For every Christian that bows the knee to Jesus Christ, he's not a coming king. He is coming back, but he is the king now. And therefore, we are just no longer comfortable in this world, or we should be not comfortable in this world, because really we're ambassadors in a foreign land. And in fact, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20, the Apostle Paul says just that, that we are Christ's ambassadors to speak the words of Christ. So, so there's this concept of that we are ambassadors for a kingdom that is going to come. Because Christ is our king now. Now this imagery is important for us to understand. We can go all the way back to Genesis and see that. Remember in the seven day creation, I've talked about this before, but in the seven day creation, 
and it was very Eastern in the way that they wrote it. And as they're, as, as they're taking this outside in, God creates light on the first day. And every day, God creates getting closer and closer and closer to the very fine tuning of the final crescendo of his creation is the creation of male and female. So think about this. This was very Eastern, and everyone understood this. And for us to understand it is this idea that when God created this kingdom, this world, the first time, with Adam and Eve being the crescendo of this creation, if you were going to build a temple to worship God in, or your God in in the East, what, what did they do? Well, they started on the outside making this absolute gorgeous, beautiful building, and they continued to make more and more ornate things, and the crescendo of that temple, the crescendo of that building, on the inside of that building, was an image of that deity. That deity, so the huge statue. In fact, if you go to, if you go to ancient Ephesus in Greece, or in, Eastern, in uh, Asia Minor, you see that there was a huge temple to Diana. And it was this beautiful, ornate temple. It was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. And in the center of that temple was this huge, glorious statue to Diana, the image in which they were worshiping. And so when God created the heavens and the earth, who was to be worshiped? God. And in the center of this creation, he put an image of us. Adam and Eve in the center of this because that was the crowning crescendo or the achievement of who was to be worshipped on this earth in this temple. Now what happened? That, That image defiled the temple completely defiled and destroyed the temple in, because of their sin. And then all of us had sinned afterwards. So Christ then gives us a new image bearer. Remember, the image bearer of Adam failed. God gave us a new image bearer in Christ. Christ now sets up a new kingdom, one not of this world, but is coming to remake this world so that we would be in relationship with him once again. So now, all of those that trust Christ as the new image bearer have received Jesus Christ. We are no longer reflecting the old image of Adam, but we are reflecting the new image of Christ. See how that works? So the old image didn't work. We have a new image, it's Christ. And so the writer of Hebrews says, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be destroyed, that's the coming kingdom that Christ is bringing. This is the kingdom. We are now his image bearers in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God now and the kingdom of God to come. So therefore, it's the question is for us as Christians, as new image bearers of Christ, we now reflect Christ. So let me, let me play this out. So now the writer of Hebrews is saying, listen, you want to go back to the law? You want to go back to Moses? See, the way that God, God demonstrated his holiness and greatness was through the law of Moses. But when Christ came, and what did the law do? What's the law do? The law just is what? If I stood in front of a, it's a, it's a mirror. It shows me my sin. 
The law lets me know that I broke the law of God. The law is a mirror that reveals my sin to me. I wouldn't know lying unless God said don't lie. I wouldn't know cheating if God said don't cheat. God said don't covet. I mean, you go through the Ten Commandments. They want to go back to the old when there's this new covenant that's fantastic of Christ. And when you're saved, you're in the new kingdom. That Christ is your king, and now you're an ambassador. The old reflection of God was the law. The new reflection of God is Christ. What was the reflection of the law? It revealed to me sin. What's the new reflection of Christ? You know what the reflection of Christ is? Us. You see that? See, the old reflection of the law, what did the law do? It revealed my sin when we looked at the law. Now we look at Christ, and what's the reflection of Christ? Us. We're to be the reflection of Christ. We are now God's representatives, God's ambassadors in this world. That's a heavy-duty responsibility. Let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him with holy fear and awe. Then verse 29, he says, for our God is a consuming fire. See, God has called us to live in his unshakable kingdom, verse 28, as a new reflection. The law revealed our sin, Romans 7, 7. The apostle Paul says, I wouldn't know sin if it wasn't for the law. But Christ reveals our life, that we are the new reflection. Our life and the way that it should be. So here's the question. We're either a good reflection of Christ or a poor reflection of Christ. And that's what the writer of Hebrews is going to. Because when he gets to chapter 13 now, he's setting up this idea that you have now are going to reflect Christ in your everyday life. You are the image bearers of Christ. You're no longer the image bearers of Adam. That's why God brought the law to reveal that, hey, we weren't good image bearers and we needed help. Now you're the image bearers of Christ living in this new kingdom. Christ is our king. And so therefore, we live under a different set of laws, a different set of rules. What are they? Well, whatever Christ did on earth. We're to live in response to who Christ was and what he did and who he is. Christ is king. So it's this idea that, you know, Christ wouldn't want me to punch you back in the face when you punch me in the face. Christ would want me to turn the other cheek. Christ wouldn't want me to hate. No, Christ would want me to love. Christ wouldn't want me to live in fear. No, I want to reflect Christ, so I want to walk in boldness and newness of life. Christ wouldn't want me to hate somebody. No, Christ would call me to love somebody. See, this idea is, it just goes completely different to the world system, to the old temple, to the old creation. We're living in Christ And that's what the writer of Hebrews is saying now. And he's doing it with this idea of understanding your motivation in verse 29. For our God is a consuming fire. 
What's your motivation? The motivation is this, that God's still in control. He's still on the throne. No matter what happens in this world. And so there's three things that I want you to see in understanding our motivation. The first one is we worship with our life. Our whole idea is that we are worshipers, not just with our words, but with our actions. That's what it is to be a proper reflection of Christ in our life. Second thing is this, we are now not a dead sacrifice, we are now a living sacrifice. Romans 12, one and two. I beseech you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Not a dead one, a living one. That we're constantly living with Christ being our ambassador. Because God has called us to live in his unshakable kingdom. Cannot be destroyed. No matter what anybody does to us, they can't stop the spread of Christ. The number three is this. We live, what's our motivation? Finally, we live in the fear of the Lord. Not fear in, oh, but the fear of the Lord. If we're going to fear something, let's not fear the politicians. Let's not fear ISIS. Let's not fear the things that could happen to us. Let's stop living in our little world. We should fear the Lord. In fact, Proverbs 29, 25 says, the fear of the man brings a snare, but those who put their trust in the Lord will be safe. Let me play, let me play this out for you in everyday life because this is where the writer of Hebrews gets very practical now. Because God has called us to action to bring his kingdom to the world. We're his representatives. It's this, a few years ago, there was a homeless person, didn't have a place to stay. I had kids. I brought the homeless person for dinner. Then I had him spend the night on our couch. Now, my wife, being very practical, she took every single one of our kids and put them in our room on the floor and locked the door. It's this idea of what are you doing? I can't believe you're doing this. Well, I just think that this is what we need to do. It's the right thing to do. One of the, one of the things of being a pastor is that we're to be given to hospitality. So, okay, so I'm going to do what the Bible says. And, and I guess if he destroys the house or steals stuff in the morning, then we've got some, we're a little bit lighter on this stuff. But the kids are safe because they're in the room with us, lock the door. Holly's marching out front with a gun. No, I'm... Just, just in case she's ready with her ninja and bow staff skills. Mama bear, don't mess with her. No, it's that idea, though, that God has called us now to not live in fear of man. What can man do to us? What did Jesus say? Don't fear the one who could kill the body. Kill the one, fear the one who could kill the body and the soul. See, this new kingdom is not an external kingdom. It's an internal kingdom. See, change isn't going to come through whoever we elect as our president. Change is going to come when the church of Jesus Christ looks in front of the mirror and says, I am a reflection of Jesus Christ, and I need to live this way as a reflection of Jesus Christ to every single person I come in contact with. And it doesn't matter how different they are, if they don't know my Jesus, I'm going to show them Jesus. And I heard a stat this week. 90% of people that are born and raised in the American evangelical church do not share their faith with one person before they die. Did you hear that? 
90%. There's a whole world out there that's dying and wanting to feel something that lost in the world. And here we are afraid to tell them when we have the greatest message. We're his ambassadors. And not just with our words, but with our actions. And so the homeless man steals a couple of things on the way out the door. And I go a little less because I obeyed the word of God. At some point, maybe in his life, maybe he'll come to know Jesus. Because as we sat around the dinner table, I unashamedly shared the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's like, I remember as a kid, my grandma, she was like 70-something years old. And there were these... There was these gang members, and they were, you know, wearing all their gang garb. This is, in, this is in Southern California during the time and the rise of the gangs. And my grandpa's in his pickup truck, and my grandma's there, and my brother and I are sitting in between them, and there's these gang guys dragging this girl. And my grandma goes, stop the truck. And I was like, oh, my goodness. What's going to happen? And my grandma gets out. And they got their, you know, they got their stuff and, and they're probably carrying guns or something. And she walks up and she says, I'll take her. And they were like in disbelief. Here's this 80-year-old woman grabbing this girl. Come on, honey, let me help you. Like, I think they were in shock. That's why they didn't do anything. Oh, she was this 80-year-old woman. And she took the girl and she put her in the truck. She says, get in the back, boys. So my brother and I got in the back of the truck. This is when it was safe and legal and all that stuff before all the safety seats. I just want to throw that out there for the helicopter parenting and the over... Anyway, um, another, another sermon, another discussion. But it was this idea, though, that, that she had this boldness. Why? Because she wanted to see Christ's kingdom now in this woman's life. So she's sharing Christ with this girl as she's kind of coming to they had punched her. And they took her to, she took her to this place to get her some help. And we drove away. Why? Because the fear of man brings a snare, but those who put their trust in the Lord will be safe. See, we're so afraid of what people could do to us that we've missed out whose we are. We think it's our life. What's God's will for my life? I hear that a lot. Well, here's the reality. You ready? It's not our lives. Once we give our life to Jesus Christ, guess whose life it is? It's his. What does God want me to do with my stuff? It's not my stuff. Once I give my life to Jesus Christ, it's his stuff. Well, God wants me to, maybe I need to give some money to, to God. Maybe yeah, I'll give some of my money to God. That'll make me feel good. It's not my money. It's his money. All of it belongs to the Lord. See, there's a way that God has called us to action to bring his kingdom to this world, and it's not to be in fear and to elect some politician to go fight. It's, it's this idea that God has called us to bring this world as individuals to the kingdom. It's us going and sharing Christ with people. It's looking at the refugees as not as, an, as, a, as a burden, but as an opportunity to share Christ. 
See, and that's, that's the part that's hard because, it, that, man, that means we're going to have to sacrifice. That means we're going to have to make changes. That means things, man, but they don't know Jesus. We have an opportunity to share Christ and not just share Christ with our words but with our actions. And it's not a political issue. It's a theological one. Last time I checked here in scripture, what he said, continue to love each other with true Christian love. How does it start? It starts in the church. Number one, in love. Starts in the church. It's interesting that he starts with love and not love outside the church, but love inside the church. The writer of Hebrews is basically saying, well, once you start with loving each other, not just loving each other, but continual sustained love for each other. Jesus said in John 13, 35, by this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. How come Christians sometimes are the only ones that shoot their own wounded? When they're down, sometimes we kick them. When we don't kick them, we just say, we'll pray for them and do nothing for them. That's even worse. This is a call to action, guys. It's time for us to move. It's time for us to do more than, than, than say that we're followers of Christ. It's time for us to show with our hands. And that's one of the things about Coastal. It's why I came to Coastal two years ago. It's because I love the fact that we feed people once a month. I love the fact that we go to the places that need help. I love the fact that we go and we serve. I love that. But it starts with loving each other. It's love in action. 1 John three eighteen. It's what Nate read. And it's love for the kingdom. Number four is this, love, love, love and love one another. Let me read Romans 14, 16 through 18 to you. It's a fantastic passage. The Apostle Paul is concluding Romans. He's kind of on the home stretch. In Romans chapter 14, verses 16 through 18, he says this, then you will not be condemned for doing something you know is all right. Verse 17, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but of living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. If you serve Christ with this attitude, you will please God and other people will approve of you too. So then let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. My responsibility as a Christian is to build you up. It's to love you, to encourage you. Your responsibility to each other is to do the same. This should be the most loving place on the planet. You walk in here, you will be loved. Now, love is not like do whatever you want love. There's also this idea of, well, what's tough love? It's the same idea. Love coupled and married with truth. There is no love without truth. You can't understand real love without truth. I can say I love my wife all day long, but if I don't provide for her, if I don't do the things that I'm supposed to do as a husband for her, then I don't really love her. There's no truth 
There's no substance to my love. It's just, just an emotion or it's just a feeling. True agape love is this action love, action-oriented love, and it's what we should do in the church. You have a need, we wanna help you. That's why membership here at Coastal is so essential. If you're not a member here at Coastal, become a member because here's the deal. One of the things that we do as members here is we help each other and care for each other. Somebody has a need, they can't, they can't fix something, they can't do something. We have people that wanna help you. I, I, man, I, I can't do this or I can't, well, let us help you. And it's only pride that keeps you from asking. The church is ready and able. So ask. If we can't do it, then we'll try to find somebody who can. We have doctors and lawyers and dentists and construction workers. And, and I thank God for all of them. And they're in our church. Now don't try to get a free handout. If you can pay for it, pay for it. Because they got to make a living too. Don't be like, well, I want the Christian discount. That's not love, that's selfishness. <laughs> now that I'm looking at a couple of them right now. We have engineers in our church and we have, we have people that do things in this church and they do it because they love you. I mean, I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna embarrass some people. Don't be embarrassed. And I'm going to do it in, in a, and know this, this is going to be in a loving way. And it's not that it's you're, you're here and someone's like, well, what about me? What about me? Listen, hey, what about you? I love you, okay? But there's some people that I've seen that have done some incredible things. And I've just watched them serving on a regular, consistent basis. And, and I, I mean, and they're, they're helpful. Andrew Barons, he works at Hunter Law Firm. You need a lawyer? Go see him. Tom Watson, he's a dentist. You need a dentist? Go see him. If you're a dentist here, I want to get to know you. I'll talk about you in the next service, okay? <laughs> like, don't think, man, oh my goodness. Hey, I'm all for free market, all right? Mark Thompson, he's an engineer. You need help figuring something out? Go see him. Like, there's people in this church that love you and want to help you. Barry, he's a anesthesiologist here in our church. Like, we have people in our church. Go see them. They love you. That's the body of Christ working together. Eric Johnson's got a ministry called Helping Hands. It's a construction ministry. Like, these are the people. That's what it means to love, love, love one another. In fact, when the apostle John got back from Patmos and he went to Ephesus and he was in his waning years, in his 90s, this is church history, not in scripture, they would, they would bring the apostle John up to the front and they would say, tell us what Jesus would say. If Jesus was here right now, what would he say? And they would carry John up to speak because he was the last follower of Jesus that was still alive. And they would bring John up and this is all John would say every time. In fact, it was written by a couple church fathers. This is what he would say. Love, love, love one another. Love, love, love one another. And they were like, how come you always tell us this, John? Because Jesus said, and John said this, until you do it, I'm gonna stop, I'm gonna keep saying it. That's the idea. 
That we're to love each other. By this, all men will know you're my disciples. All right, I'm, I'm, I'm bringing it home fast. See, three verses and we're really going. Holy cow. In hospitality, verse two, entertaining angels unaware. It's referring to Genesis 18 and 19 where Abraham brought them in. Angels are hidden on the earth? Yeah, probably. Don't be looking for angels. Continue to focus your attention on Jesus. Do what Christ has called you and maybe you'll have an angel unaware. That'd be kind of cool, huh? I read those stories. Have you seen those guidepost stories and stuff? You know what I'm talking about? It's like, well, there was this angel then, or, you know, I had this person stay at my house. I didn't know who they were. They were gone in the morning, and they left me a note. I paid off your mortgage. <gasps> you know, get the book. Watch the videos. I don't know. I mean, come on. I read all, go on the internet, Google it. Check Snoops afterwards and go, eh, I don't know if that's true, but that's that idea, though. But, I mean, here's the deal. The, the point of the... the The point of it is this. Are we treating worthy people in an unworthy manner? And to God, all people are worthy. Because he did not shed one more drop of blood for you than he did for them. Special blessing. Abraham got a special blessing when he did it. 1 Corinthians 6.3 talks about that as well. Number three, open the home to those in need. When I think of hospitality, there's the gift of hospitality and then those that, you know, that naturally are hospitable and then there's people that like really have to work at it. My wife and I sometimes have to work at it. We've got to do this, so I guess we've got to bring this person. But like to someone like Laura Murray, like, like she's like, she'll take everybody. Like we could all have dinner at her house afterwards and Howard would be like, all right, bigger pig, let's have a roast and come on, let's go get some more stuff. That's the natural gift of hospitality that God's given them. And some of us others, it, it's, it's difficult. But if we're not living in fear, then we can be hospitable. Even to strangers. The last one is this, in, in prison visits. When's the last time you went to the prison? And not like the prison of our souls or, you know, I'm not talking about some spiritual prison. I'm just talking about Jail to go visit somebody. Someone would say, well, I'm not a part of the prison ministry. Well, the prison ministry kind of disintegrated from what I found out here. So guess what? The prison ministry could just be you going to the prison, saying, what do I need to do to get a background check or whatever, and any prisoner that wants to visit somebody, I'll be here on Thursdays at three. Some people have the time to be able to do that. When's the last time you visited somebody in prison? He's also talking about this idea of the persecuted church. Write this down, voice of the martyrs. They minister to the persecuted church. The pastors in China and Iran that are in prison because of their Christian faith. And they support and care for their families. The ones in northern India, and Kazakhstan and Uzbekistan. When's the last time you were interested or cared to look and go, how can we help those people that are suffering? Because look, one body in Christ, one part suffers, we all suffer. Have you ever had an ingrown toenail? Aren't they miserable? I mean, they're just miserable. And your whole body's like, oh! You're walking around going, ah, ah, ah. And then you're like, oh man, got something major? 
Not ingrown toenail. Ugh. Why? Why is that? Because if one part suffers, if your toe suffers, your whole body suffers. When's the last time you visited somebody in prison? We have people from our church that have done some bad things that are in prison, and we need to go and we need to show them love. It means to visit the jails and the prison. Why? Why is this? Because we're people of the new kingdom, not people of the old. We're people of the new kingdom. We're called to action to bring his kingdom to this world. In fact, Jesus said in Matthew 25, verse 40, he said this, and I love this. I was hungry and you fed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Well, when did we see you? Clothed and hungry and in prison. And Jesus said, if you've done it to the least of these, you've done it to me. Because the reality is, is we're not doing it to these people, we're doing it because we love Christ and we're reflecting Christ. When I went to start a church in Orlando a number of years ago, one of the things that I did is I went to the old nursing homes and I went to the prisons. I just didn't know what else to do with my time. And I had a few people that I was talking to about Christ at Starbucks and stuff. But I didn't, what am I gonna do with the rest of my time? Well, I don't know, what did Jesus do? I guess he went to the, prisons and he went to the places where people were and he just loved on people and as a result that's what happened and I went to different churches that were hurting to help people visit the jails and prisons look at this conclusion right here today right now Jesus has no hands but our hands Jesus has no feet but our feet. What are we doing with his hands and his feet? This isn't to guilt you. This isn't to, oh my goodness, oh man. You know, we're not gonna sing five five million verses of just as I am. Have you come forward if you were raised in the Baptist tradition? All right, we're gonna sing one more. You know, we're not gonna do that. It's the sense though of, we have a responsibility, an individual responsibility to be representatives of Jesus. That, that we're his hands and we're his feet. And we're to love each other and we're to love those outside these four walls. We're gonna get into first, to Hebrews chapter 13 for the rest of this month. We're gonna break it down little by little and what it means. How do we honor God in our marriage? How do we honor God in, in, in the church? How do we honor God there's some very specific things that we need to do to be that proper reflection for his kingdom. Why? Because we love God and we fear God. But my question to you this morning, is Christ greater than yourself? Is he greater than yourself? If the answer is no, my question is, is do you know him? Do you have a relationship with him? If you don't know Jesus Christ, you can know him this morning. You can very simply just say, Lord Jesus, come into my life and save me. I I bow the knee to you. I move from the old to the new. And I ask that you would come into my life through the power of the Holy Spirit. And what's amazing is that the Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. If you haven't been saved, you can be saved this morning. It's not, it's, it's so simple but eternal. 
It's you calling upon the name of the Lord. It's you asking for forgiveness of your sins. It's you saying, Jesus, come and save me. No one else can. Because I can't do this apart from Christ. In fact, apart from Christ, I want to do the opposite. Apart from Christ, I want to do everything other than. There's people in this church say, hey, you know what? I want to get involved. I want to do something. I want to take action. Let me tell you a great resource, a great couple in our church, Kim and Kathy Hills, man, they love people. Go pull up aside to them and have a conversation with them, and guess what? What can we do? They know. There's other people. Go up to the Welcome Center and say, hey, listen, I'm ready to get activated. I'm ready to take action in my Christian faith. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes for prayer. Father, I just pray now in the name of Jesus that you would call us to greater action. There's many people that are in action, Lord God, and God, I'm so thankful for those people that are serving you faithfully and using their skills and their gifts for your kingdom. God, I pray that you would activate all of us, that we would be men and women, Lord God, that would not be stingy and protective and live in fear, but that we would live in boldness and in action through the power of your Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit of God living in and through us. I pray, Lord God, if there's anybody here that has never received you, I pray, Lord God, that right now, They would call upon you, Lord Jesus, and they would ask for forgiveness of their sins. They would say, Jesus, come into my life and save me. Please forgive me for my sins. I give you my life. And I pray, God, through the power of your Holy Spirit, you would come into their life and invade their life. And then they would follow you in baptism and follow follow you, Lord God, for the rest of their lives until you return. Or you call them home, Lord, we love you. Lord Jesus, we need you and thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. We have an incredible opportunity to give God back his money, and that's what we get to do right now. If you're visiting with us, we don't want your money. We're just glad that you're here. If you want to give it, that's great, but we're not asking for it. We're here because we love Christ, and one of the ways we demonstrate our love for Christ is by putting money in the offering plate. He's given us so much. Freely you've received, now freely give. We get to give back to the Lord what he's given to us. Well, we would like a connection card from you. If you uh, are here visiting with us, if you could fill out that little connection card, drop it in the offering basket. Let us know that you're here. Christ has been so faithful to us. We want to be faithful to him. Hey, um, matter of prayers, we're going to pray for the offering just in a quick second, um, is to pray for the Bolivia team. They're in Bolivia. They're down there. They're safe. Um, one of our elders, Wayne Drury's with them. Chris Lay is leading the trip. It's, just pray for them this week as you think about it as they're ministering in orphanages and ministering in the church and ministering um, on the streets, sharing Christ with people. So let's pray for the offering. Lord, freely you have given to us. And now, Lord, we freely give it back to you. We thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you that it's truth and thank you that we can be your hands and feet. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.